story number one, Do They Know, written by Swimming Zebra. We have known them since they joined the great universe not long ago. The great gentle apes of Earth. Strong, noble, no doubt, but their senses are rather dull compared to the many others. Despite that, they are best known for one strange talent. Their arts are beyond any other in the known universe. But they don't know. Though their hearing can't register the entire range of sound that exists, they still imbue their songs with so much more than just music. We hear it in every song, a piece of emotion. But they don't. Their eyes are limited to a tiny spectrum, but their paintings still contain layers far beyond that range. We see it, beautifully complex even in our eyes. Even their stories contain memories that far exceed the words within them. We feel it, every story they tell is far beyond the words. But they don't know. We didn't know either, honestly. We didn't know why these apparently gentle creatures seem to thrive in adversity overcome so many challenges, why their calm seemed to follow them, how they seemed to experience the world beyond what their senses should be able to, why they could be so lonely for so long and never lose hope, looking into the stars with wide open eyes, hoping to see others. Meeting them in great time of peace might have been a reason we didn't notice. We only met the gentle apes that were so happy to finally meet others. That changed. War broke out as it inevitably does. The Taurus declared themselves superior and began their march, their invade and destroy, to create a universe with only them. The apes were few in number compared to most of us, but they fought with us nonetheless. We saw the great apes take up arms. We saw the glow around them when they fought by our sides. The gentle apes were also capable warriors. That they knew. They proudly told of their fearless ancestors, telling fantastic stories of heroic deeds of old, rising morale even species completely unlike them in body and mentality, sharing a bit of what they called the human spirit with their comrades. It was a soothing, but sadly not enough. Colonies fell one after another, and the Taris invaders, hundreds sprouting of plants turned to graves, Cries of sorrow filling the universe before being silenced. The first core world of the invaders' path was Earth, the only true home of the great apes. When the invaders set foot on Earth, I stood amongst them as they stood with us. I heard it. I saw it. I felt it. The sound of boots from the tiny human army, rhythmic and intimidating in its own right. Soldiers ready to give the roll and the dim glow surrounding them the warmth of their bodies side by side preparing to defend their home. But they don't seem to know. What I heard was not just the marching of soldiers around us, but an unfathomable many feet marching to war. I saw the light of humanity gathering and marching as one. I felt a generation upon generation getting ready to banish the invaders. But they don't know, do they? That's the very essence of life on the planet is marching in unison now. Behind every human is a part of humanity as a whole, resting an unseen hand on their shoulders, giving that tiny ember of hope and warmth with everything that seems lost, fanning it and making it burn with an intensity of a billion stars. 
I heard the drums of war played on the planet itself. Deafening me, I saw all the consuming wave of forms marching to aid the corporeal. Every direction rushing towards battle, the planet shaking in anger, ready to unleash the fury of the human spirit. May whatever deity the Tyrese hold responsible be ready to receive them all. End of story. Story number two. Genocide, written by a lone donut. There is a problem with genocide. Not, of course, the underlying issue that is the complete and utter eradication of a people. No, the problem with genocide is you cannot only do it a little. If you start the process, you must completely finish it, else you leave an enemy with a righteous cause from which to fight you. The Empire didn't believe this was a hard and fast rule, as they were certain that you could bring a people to their way of life on the verge of extinction, and in turn, feed them into subservience. They gave most species a choice. A dictator must always rule first with a velvet glove when they can, and an iron fist when they must. If a species accepted, they were uplifted and placed into the second-class role. They had a little freedoms, but if they behaved and did as they were told, they at least got to live. You got the choice once, and if you declined, or worse, fought back, well, there really was only one option. 90% of your population was erased, and you were enslaved. There was no third class, and no return from it. You were the Empire's tool, a piece of machinery, and your entire species from there on out was to be controlled, right down to if you were allowed to breed. Your personality was wiped clean, replaced by the restraint collar, at least for the first generation. From there, it was spread out of you. Your identity as a culture was erased, kept only in the archives locked very far away from you. Species 622 was one such species. They hadn't simply refused. They had fought back with a ferocity and anger that had seen them hold out longer than any had expected. Bipedal, binocular vision, and the ability to resist trauma and fatigue better than anything the Empire had yet experienced. They could adapt to everything that was thrown at them, their bodies changing under the stress of the capable and unbelievable feats. They lost... Of course, they were technologically inferior, barely two systems to their name. As was custom, their people were slaughtered and enslaved. Less than 10% of the population remained, and those that did were placed into education camps. They were bred and augmented and taught to think along the Empire's lines. Heart mounting points for armor, a neural interface at the base of the skull, nerve enhancements and other bits of strength in their creatures. While making powerful soldiers, they're larger than average for their size, brains allowed for them to make useful engineers as well. Five generations later, and 62 had completely forgotten their history, and the Empire moved on. By seven generations in, the Empire relied on species 62, as commanders and soldiers on the battlefield were vicious, fighting with the same energy that they had hoped to bring to salvation. Their fire and fury was unmatched in any species, and any good tactician knows that raw power is half the battle. They became strategists and the minds behind the armies. 
the counterpart to 62 Warrior's life, as the 62 Bs were skilled technicians and engineers, and could be found anywhere from keeping a cargo barge afloat to maintaining the flagship of the fleet. No matter where you put 62, they adapted and overcame and thrived. This should have worried the Empire, such a strong trait, but as most powerful empires do, they were complacent and assured of their own strength. They could not be toppled, they were eternal. So when a message came through on the High Council, delivered on a beacon that was over a hundred years old, they disregarded it as an ancient threat that had long gotten lost in the background radiation. We lived, which... It was rude and crass, and most important, it was from 62's origin sector. It was impossible, surely, that any of the 62 had survived would likely have lived until now. The message was disregarded. A mistake, to be sure. Depending on who you ask, the worst of the error, truth be told, it was not yet the worst that they made. No, the worst that they made was not removing 62 from the front line though that would only become apparent much later. 622-A-09154 was called Kale by his peers, the one nicety that the Empire afforded, names that were between soldiers. It was something that allowed camaraderie and made them more effective killing machines. Kale deployed in 18 active combat campaigns, two occupations, and was one of the few of the Empire that bore the combat accommodations for kills aboard ships, on planet, and in zero-g. He was a model Empire soldier, so when it turned out the message from 62's worlds hadn't been an error, and somehow they had survived, not only that, but they had managed to sneak an explosives onto the shipyard in orbit of one of their former planets in that they called Alpha Centauri. The Empire's property was damaged, but the ship escaped to the planet below, and considering a large population of the planet was still 62s, they were going to be hard to find easily. Hale's ship had been in the sector, and naturally, he was deployed to the surface to track down these terrorists. He didn't have to be asked either. He volunteered for the mission, wanting to clear the name of the 62s and bring peace to the Empire. Eventually, the location and the hiding 62s were found, and they were cornered. Kale led the charge and was in the thick of the firefight that ensued. An unexpected explosive device went off near Kale, and his life signs stopped transmitting. Eventually, the fighting slowed, and once again the rebel 62s were gone. But worse, so was Kale's body. His comrades mourned, and the commander of Kale's ship noted of the loss, with more sorrow than he expected for a subservient species. The ship, though, remained in orbit to assist with the search, many of the soldiers hoping to retrieve Kale's body, at least. Eight local days later, they were saved the trouble. Kale, his body twisted from sustained injuries, returned to the garrison building and placed the severed head of 62 on the desk, the slain head of the rebellion. A sweep of the area found only blood and remains, leaving low living 62s, a testament to Kale's strength. A new fire burned in his eyes and he seemed even more resolved for the good of the fight. The medical discovered his neural interface had been damaged in the explosion, and he had many broken bones, but his story of fighting his way to the front lines held water. His ships departed, and a new mission ordered for it. 
The commander of the ship was a vain creature, a loyal imperial, born of the Norkic, and had formed the empire in the first place. He loved to gloat of his victories, but he loved cruel fates more. A nameless being forced to execute a disembodiment only for it to be revealed that the disembodiment was the nameless parental figure. Or better, a child. So, as the ship came into orbit, Kale was summoned to the bridge. Dutiful soldier, he arrived in short order and stood beside his master. Kale, the commander spoke, a smile on his face. You honor me, Master Commander, the 62 said, taking a knee and bowing, he said. It was never required of a commander, or any Norkic, to use a gifted name. To do so was truly a sign of respect. I do, the commander replied. Do you recognize this planet? He gestured to the front windows and a small spinning blue orb in front of them. When Kale shook his head, the commander nodded. Your people called it Earth. It was once your home world. Dreadful, really. Most of its surface is salt water. How you ever survived it is a mystery. But you did, and once the 62s had tried to oppose the Empire. A wasted effort, said Kale through a stone face. Indeed, said the commander, now you serve a higher purpose, a tool for the Empire. Much better that its planet could have offered. Kale nodded, his eyes ablaze. The commander took this as dedication, likely the third mistake made by the Empire. Somewhere he prepared her for a monologue, but he never found the words. No, what he found was a knife driven into his shoulder, and at its end, Kale. One of the 62's hand was wrapped around the hilt of the blade, the other on a small device, a neural override. The room, filled with the subservient species, was frozen, the row neural devices feeding a loop of commands to keep their bodies locked in place. Enough had turned to face the scene which they were watching in horror at the 62 standing in front of the Norkic. Blood poured from the open wound and the commander gasped. His hands went for the controls in his chair, but were gripped by 62's much stronger hands. Want to know a fun fact, sir? spat Kale. The neural interface you forced on me, what one year old, is woefully unprotected from hacking. A couple of friends I made showed me some truths. The commander struggled against the restraint and screamed in anger and agony. You are committing sin against the doctrine. They'll pull out your guts out of through your chest. Their threat was on deaf ears. With a quick twist, the sound of bone shattering filled the room, shortly full with shrieks of agony. In a single motion, Kale pulled the knife from the shoulder and the commander was pulled forward and the blade driven deep into the base of the commander's skull. The body was pushed free of the chair, and the 62 took a seat, keying in a few commands and initializing the emergency lockdown of the bridge, reporting to the system that the commander was critically injured by an attack. His neural interface was damaged and could not give the order himself. Thick blast doors sealed the bridge from the rest of the ship, and the ship's dumb AI, calm as if giving the weather forecast, informed him that all life support was to be vented and the rest of the ship to ensure the survival of the Norkic. Everything but the bridge was open to vacuum of space, and for nearly fifteen long, silent minutes, Kale sat in the center chair, entering commands, simply not acknowledging the frozen statue staring at him. After sealing the ship, a small shuttle docked with it, and from it, the 62s from Alpha Centuria arrived, taking control of the ship. No trickery, no lies, no hacking. 
They had merely showed 162 what they had been missing. The entirety of human history explained as they saved his life instead of letting him bleed out. A simple request for a ship by any means. Kale had seen that this wasn't life and that his people had once been free. Rebellion was growing and at its heart the species once called human through its space to throw now off the chains of servitude and to see where the dice fell. The humans beside the 62s, a similar species sure, but no longer exactly the same would show the Empire a new truth. You see, the problem with genocide, beside the obvious that is, if you don't complete the process it'll haunt you at every angle and you create an enemy with a righteous cause from which to fight you. Like a single ember in a forest, it could resolve itself leaving only a memory, but if the conditions are right and the ground dry enough, then you might start a fire. And humans were really good with fire. End of story.